growing up in this day and age is different than when we were kids. And I think that I, I like to say the age old thing that kids say to parents of, you don't understand what it's like to be my age. This is a generation where we don't understand what it's like to be their age, especially with technology and, and the access that we have to everything on the internet, video games, media, and things like that. Pull up a seat to the table. You are listening to the Luminary Leadership Podcast, where we elevate successful entrepreneurs into powerful leaders doing work that really matters. After working with countless entrepreneurs, I've noticed a theme. No matter the level of success achieved, they get to this place where they're asking, now what? If you're listening to this, you get it. You're craving more impact. You want to do work that means something, and you want to be known for it, too. Somewhere along the way, it wasn't just about growing a business anymore. It became time to build your legacy. Plus, building the dream at the expense of everything else that matters, family, freedom, joy, is no dream at all. The Luminary Leadership Podcast is where industry leaders come to break through to their next level of achievement, purpose, and impact. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hartke, and I'm here to raise up this generation of leaders, us, so we can do our part in raising up the next generation of little luminaries. Get ready as we break down all things entrepreneurial leadership in a way that isn't being talked about. We both know you don't just need another strategy. It's time for your breakthrough. This is not our typical topic on the show. In fact, we've never had anything quite like it on the show, but it's so critical and it's so necessary to talk about. And there is something that we can be doing behind the scenes to make an impact, which is why I'm having Cheryl Cosmerl on the show. So Cheryl is a licensed clinical social worker. She has decades of experience working in that field, but she has extensive history working with kids and adolescents and their families who have experienced abuse or neglect or trauma. But today's focus is specifically around the dangers that come with technology when it comes to things like sexting and pornography and the fact that our children are being raised in an era where they have this stuff in their back pocket at all times and it is literally affecting everything from their brain development to the outcomes of their futures. And it's up to us to scaffold and shepherd them through these incredibly new and trying times. Our kids have it harder than we had it. They're going to be up against a lot more than we have faced in our childhood. So Cheryl's conversation today is very relevant to every parent. I think it's easy for us to say, oh, well, my kid wouldn't do that. Or we put parental controls on everything so we don't have to stress about it. But as today's episode will reveal, that is not enough. And it's not the kids that you would expect that are having trouble with things like pornography or getting in trouble with things like sexting or putting themselves in situations where they're at great risk to be exposed to predators on the internet. This is not all doom and gloom, though. The good news is there is stuff we can do. There is stuff that we have control over. There are ways we can have these conversations with our kids. We can equip them. We can prepare them. And it's our job to do it. No one else is going to do it for us. So let's jump into today's episode with Cheryl. You are going to want to hear this episode. Even if you're not a parent, you're going to want to pass this along to someone who has kids, to kids you love. This is critical stuff. Let's jump in. 
Cheryl, I am so excited to have you on the show because to me, this is such a critical topic and it's not one that we would typically talk about on this show in particular, but with our tech series, we found that a lot of parents and a lot of people and entrepreneurs, they they see the importance of these conversations. And I want to talk about tech from a different angle that we have over the last month, which is what's really going on and what are the dangers of things like porn and sexting when it comes to our kids and how it's affecting them today. Um, but before we jump into that, I want to just thank you for being here with me. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. So you're a licensed social worker, but you wear a lot of hats and you've done a lot of things. And I know you have a lot of experience specifically with kids who have walked through some tough paths of abuse and trauma. But before we jump into the topic for today, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and just what has led you down this path and what has made you so passionate about it? I know that our listeners would love to hear more. Yes. So I am a licensed clinical social worker and I've also, I've worked with kids for about 20 years now. And I, about 15, 16 years ago, fell into working with a population of kids who committed sex offenses. So through that, I've also worked with kids that have crossed boundaries and have also participated in sexting behaviors because of my work with the kids doing hands-on sex offenses, because a lot of the laws for sexting, if a state has not changed their laws, it files under child pornography charges. So if a state has not, so Colorado finally changed their laws in 2018. So prior to 2018, if you took a naked picture of yourself and you're under the age of 18, you have created child pornography. If you sent the picture to someone else on a device, you've distributed child pornography. And that was an F3 felony, one step below manslaughter. So about eight or nine years ago, I was contacted by the district attorney's office in Jefferson County, Gilpin County. And they said, you know, kids, I mean, sexting is, was on the rise and it really is kids making a bad choice. It's a red flag of their sexual development and they're not really navigating it well. And the last thing we would do is want these kids charged as a felony three uh, and being on the sex offender registry and negatively impacting the rest of their life. So they asked me, can you create a curriculum and a course for these kids as a legal alternative? Because they did not want them to be charged. So I created the course about eight years ago. I've had over 300 kids go through it. I have a curriculum that I wrote. I'm I'm in the process of putting the curriculum together to sell it to other professionals because it's just, um, I'm passionate about it because I love my groups. I'm in a group right now and it's, it's a setting where these kids are having conversations that they're not having in the schools. They're not having with their parents. And we're, we're talking about the hard things because growing up in this day and age is different than when we were kids. And I think that I I like to say the age old thing that kids say to parents of, you don't understand what it's like to be my age. This is a generation where we don't understand what it's like to be their age, especially with technology and, and the access that we have to everything on the internet, video games, media, and things like that. So true. And it's funny you say that because Uh, I think it is different, this particular generation, what they're having to navigate. We have the luxury of remembering a time where we weren't, you know, addicted to our devices or getting access to things that we shouldn't be getting access to that's affecting our minds or affecting our development. I mean, I think back and the only way that I would 
I remember being in third grade and going to a friend's house who had an older brother and he was watching Animal House. And I walked in the room when he's watching this, whatever, PG-13 movie and I'm in third grade. And that to me was like, not traumatic, but it was exposure to something I didn't have exposure to. And that was typically how we'd be exposed to something inappropriate or something that could affect our mind or or, um, make us feel guilty or like we shouldn't be doing something. Now we're, we're handing over these devices to our children, but they're not mentally ready to handle what they can be exposed to. And it's causing a massive ripple effect in not just these kids, but in society as a whole and how they're developing. So how can we as parents, as people kind of go upstream to the source of this issue and better equip ourselves and our kids. I mean, I think a lot of parents rely a little too heavily solely on, uh, I don't even know what it's called. Like when you use my brain is mush, like where you put the um, parental controls on your devices and stuff, you know, parents are relying hundred percent on that, forgetting that they might be hanging out with a friend who has a device who doesn't have those controls and they're still going to be exposed to something or still get access to something. So can you talk a little bit more about, you know, that idea of how can we go upstream and and really equip ourselves as parents and then start to equip our kids for what they're likely going to um, get their hands on at some point. I think you make a really great point, especially with the technology piece. And that's something that I think is, is starting with even recognizing what technology you have in your home. Like phones are not phones anymore. I remember my phone broke and I went into the uh, Verizon store and I said, my phone's not working I can't make calls. And he says, well, people don't use them as phones anymore. They're computers. And I was like, well, I do. And I paid a lot of money and I need it to work. So, but that's the thing is they're not, they're computers at this point. And when the grownups in the home get a new latest and greatest, they throw the old one in a drawer and they don't think about it. And so I think it's like even recognizing like we, something that we were telling parents or grownups in our class is just make an inventory of all the devices in your home that have internet access. And it's shocking because it's old tablets. It's old. I mean, anything that once it's not, you're not using it anymore. Your kids can plug it in, hook it up to the Wi-Fi, and use it again. I think parental um, monitoring apps are great. I think a lot of parents aren't using them. I'm going to be honest. I think that they're Mm -hmm. starting to, they're becoming more popular But there's ways around that. I mean, no matter what you do, there's ways around that. We have like, and then that's the other thing. We all have these old cell phones just thrown in a drawer. Well, you take your kid's cell phone away and they go to school and say to their friend, hey, my cell phone was taken away. And their friend goes, oh, well, we have a drawer with five in them. And there you can just have one of ours. So Mm -hmm. I think it's good to, A, like I said, recognize how many um, devices in your home have internet access. I think it's important to have conversations about Um, your technology rules and your expectations and how you're supposed to behave on technology. I think it's important to, I could go on about this for days. I have so many ideas, but I think it's important to model how you're supposed to behave on technology because kids are watching you and their sponges and they, and they see what you're doing as well. And like I said, with the, with the rules, like digital citizenship is just such an important thing that we're not talking to kids about what they should and shouldn't be doing. Like when I, so I'm doing a lot of research lately because I'm really expanding and doing a lot more preventative work to try to help parents and grownups and professionals kind of navigate this world. And something that I see is unfortunately when I find information on the internet, it's all about reactive, like 
tell your kids not to sex or tell your kids not to do this. Tell your kids to say no. And it, and it doesn't start with the, it's don't ask in the first place. Like don't put pressure on people to do this in the first place. It's not nice. It's not kind. I was reading this study recently for, for females that it, it was talking about kind of, I actually have it on my sexting solutions website. It was like damned if you do and damned if you don't as a female, like you get asked to send pictures. And if you don't send them, you get made fun of for not sending them. And if you do send them, you get made fun of for, for sending them. So it can be complex. And I think it's important to teach, I mean, just a, a value system of like treat people with kindness. Um, don't ask people to do things that you wouldn't want someone else asking your sibling to do. Like the angle I come with, with um, mm. in class, I say, you know, treat others how you want your special person treated because that's someone else's special person. So if you don't want someone pressuring your sister, your loved one to send pictures to do something, then you shouldn't do it to someone else. Mm -hmm. But, and I also think it's just kids need rules and limits and boundaries around these devices. They don't need to be in the bedrooms. They don't need to be there at night. A thing that I like to say to grownups in class, so I'm in Denver. And there's a section of town called Civic Center Park, which I, I would say it's not the safest section of the town to be there at two o'clock in the morning, even as an adult, I would choose not to be there. Mm -hmm. And I say, think of that section of town that you do not, you would never want your child in at two o'clock in the morning, unsupervised. That's the internet. Mm -hmm. And you really, because there's just, you can be exposed to anything and everything, to be honest. You could never possibly imagine. I can imagine this stuff because working with kids who've committed hands-on sex offenses for the 15 years that I did, the one connection every single one of them had was porn use. Mm -hmm. So if you want, you, you need to be cautious about what your kids are accessing on the internet. And if, yes, the safeguards do help, but then conversations are important as well. And the yeah. conversations have to start young. They have to start as soon as they're, ha they're having these devices. If they're really young, you should be able to hear everything they're watching, see and hear. It's not possible. I think parents also kind of depend on the apps to do a lot of the monitoring. Like this is a statistic I have pre-COVID and I'm sure it's way higher now. But I think at one point it was about 400 hours of content is uploaded onto YouTube per minute. And wow. that was pre-COVID. YouTube can't possibly filter all that stuff. So like if you think that just handing your kids a device and sitting them on some of these apps like YouTube, that they're not going to have access to stuff that's inappropriate, you're, you're putting too much faith and trust into these apps that you shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. That's another thing is kind of pay attention to what they're, what they're watching and what they're, what they're accessing, um, check their histories, things like that. Yeah. So now let's talk downstream because you've seen it. Uh, what is the result of a generation of kids who are being exposed to porn at young ages, probably with, you know, great regularity too, if they have it in their pocket? and accessible at any point. What is this doing to these kids? Well, how does this affect their brains? How does this affect their development? And kind of just a secondary question to that is, 
of the kids that you've worked with and have had these uh, offenses, is it the kid that you would expect to have it? Or is it surprising to see how, quote, normal some of these children are, yet they've kind of gone down this path because they've been exposed to things that maybe have affected their decisions and the direction they've gone? So a comment that I get from parents pretty often, unfortunately, so when you meet me, you're in trouble. You're, you're mm-hmm. in trouble with the court system. You're either beginning in the middle, but you, you're, you've done something wrong. Typically, unless they've been sent to me from word of mouth and the parents were aware that they were doing concerning things and they've sent them to me. So it's just important to understand that like porn is creating this kind of sexual scheme in their brain for that's in that's that's inaccurate and and this is i mean you look at some studies the average age that kids have apps that the average age that kids start watching porn is 11 but then some studies are saying eight so it's just really understanding like parents will sit on my couch and say you know we are not the type of family that this kind of thing happens no one is the type of family no parent has ever sat on my couch and said we totally knew they were a type of family that that this kind of thing would happen. And I really think it's just thinking it's, it has nothing to do with socioeconomics. It has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do. It even does it has nothing to do with gender. I mean, 33% of porn users are female and people don't realize that. And if we're not talking to kids and educating them and giving them information about sex and and sexual contact and consent. I mean, that's a huge thing is porn is teaching these kids what is the opposite of consent. And when the boundaries are being pushed, it's because they're learning that the boundaries are being pushed on porn. And Mm -hmm. it's not just porn's fault, but there was another statistic I came across recently that one porn site had as much traffic as Netflix and Amazon combined. Mm-hmm. So it really is like something that I think it's it, to assume, you know, we're not the type of family and this isn't, you're just giving yourself a false sense of security and understanding that this, that this access to this information, which is accurate, which is inaccurate, which is abusive, which objectifies a lot of times there's some, I mean, there's some porn sites that you're able to put like amateur stuff on there, which is, which is like recorded sexual assault. And then someone can fight because they have to fight to get it off if they even know what's on there, but people can download it. And this is really like, um, there's behavioral addictions to pornography. There's kids needing like, well, and like the largest pornography users are 12 to 17 year olds. Wow. Like, it's just, it's, it really is. I think the the piece that we're missing when we're trying to talk about like, what should and shouldn't be talked about that are impacting our kids. And I know that there's like a, like a political discussion. I don't want to get into the politics of it, but there's the political discussion of what we're exposing our kids to. These devices are exposing our kids to it. And every time they walk out of your home, even if you think you have it locked down in your home, as I said, a friend can give them a device Mm -hmm. or they have, or their friend's device isn't restricted or, so it's just, it's definitely something that's super, super complicated and something that I teach in my group is just educating kids about how inaccurate pornography is, how abusive it can be, how it's just, it's really 
giving you this misrepresentation of what a sexual relationship looks like. It, it, there's no, there's no intimacy of like, I mean, when I talk to kids about consent, I teach them that there's a nonverbal and a verbal piece to consent. And you need to be able to read someone's body language. You need to pay attention to someone's body language. These are conversations that aren't happening, especially when you're watching this content where consent's never even discussed. So trying to teach a kid to understand the, the nonverbals of consent when you're watching something where there's just no consent discussed, they don't, they're not, I mean, they're not connecting. Right. Right. And where do you feel like we're just falling short either as parents or as a society? I mean, you started earlier in the conversation talking about how we have to really model, excuse me, model the right values and behaviors for our children. And I, you know, I see a lot of adults who will justify their own porn use like it's not affecting the adult brain, let alone how it affects the child's brain or, um, you know, how they use their devices or even just from a standpoint of what we've talked about over the last month on the podcast, which is just overuse in general, not even necessarily looking at anything, quote, bad, but just the addiction to these devices. And then you put porn on top of it and it's like addiction times a thousand you know, what could we be doing better as a whole and have, is it values driven? Is it just like the explosion of technology? Is it that we're giving our kids devices too early? Is it all the above? Like, I'm just curious what you see and, and think from that perspective. I think, I think it's a couple of things. I think it's first of all, recognizing that sexual development starts earlier than parents a lot of times realize. And often parents will say to me, I didn't, I didn't know we were here. And I say, no one's going to knock on your bedroom door and say, I'm here. I'm ready for this discussion. So as soon as they are having this access to technology, it's having conversations about what are the rules and what are the expectations in technology. And this can be seven, eight, nine years old of, you know, there's some stuff on technology. Like there's like, it's kind of like you don't take your kid to a rated R movie. So don't hand them a device and not put restrictions on it, kind of pay attention to the apps and the rules and the apps and the age limits on the apps. I think that's something that parents, that's another thing that I don't think parents fall back on enough. I, I 100% know that you will get the conversation with your child. Well, my friend's parents let me, and this person lets me like, lets them, you're not, it's not fair. Why don't you let me do this? But a lot of these apps, there's age restrictions on them. So use that. Blame the app. That's the rule. The app says you're supposed to be 13 and up to use it. But but like making those rules, like having conversation, like there's there's stuff that's on the internet that's not appropriate, and I don't want you watching it. And I'm gonna be checking your tablet and I'm gonna be checking your device. And um, you're not supposed to be deleting anything that's on it. And also teaching them that there's time limits and there's restrictions taken away at night. And I mean. When you take it away at night and you leave it in the kitchen, keep in mind, they can get up and grab it and take it back. So like, I've also heard of kids though, who are so addicted that they've, the parents have had it on the nightstand and they've done the army crawl through the bedroom to take it back. But just like, I think putting these boundaries and these limits in the first place when they have these devices, like I have a, I have a young kiddo and he loves watching trains 
and he only watches trains on the big television and it is on YouTube. I do admit that, but he only watches it on the big television so I can hear it and I can see it. And I know what Mm -hmm. he's having access to because kids can start clicking and and touching stuff and, and they can get on it kind of pay attention. Like I said, I mean, there's certain apps that are, that are monitored, that are monitored better, that are more kid oriented than others. There's also the piece of like, even with video games is, and I know it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy as a parent to be the referee to this and having to fight the battle all the time, but pay attention to the age restrictions on video games and who I think the other thing, and this is another tangent that I could totally get into, and it could be a completely different discussion, uh, is even paying attention to like setting the rules that are you only speak to people on the internet that you know. Mm-hmm. So like when when we were kids, and the avenue I'm saying that this could go into is like something as, as serious as sex trafficking, because sex trafficking is linked to these apps. It's linked to sexting. So when you're speaking, when you say to a kid, don't speak to strange, like we were raised with stranger danger. Don't mm-hmm. speak to strangers. To them, it's not a stranger if I've already exchanged messages with you for two minutes. Right. So like even setting the rule of you don't speak to anyone on an app that you don't know in person to know that they are the age they say they are, that they are even the person that they say they are. Right. I've had, I've had kids get messed up very quickly very bad situations because, oh, well, this is my friend's ex-boyfriend's or my cousin's friend. And and then they get roped in speaking to these strangers online who, through sexting, have power over these kids and then can manipulate them to do things. Mm, you just read my mind because I was going to ask if in your sphere you encounter a lot of situations with predators taking advantage of kids. And I've heard so many horror stories about through apps and through innocent seeming apps, which makes sense because that's a great place to go if you want to bypass the parent and get directly to a kid where the parent is assuming that kid is safe and not monitoring what's going on or through video games. And I think talking about the digital footprint that we leave And then also the ripple effect of when we start to engage in conversations with people that could take advantage of our children and how incredibly devastating that can be. I mean, you look at uh, over COVID, I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but I remember reading it and being horrified by how much sex trafficking had increased during that time because kids were home on devices and parents were having to work, so they weren't paying attention And then these kids from stable homes, normal homes, were literally being trafficked um, sometime soon after that relationship was established, which is so scary. And the the thing with trafficking, I mean, so like I said, I'm in Denver. Denver's got, it's a big city. There's a lot of tourists here. There's major league baseball teams. There's an NFL team. Anything that has a lot of national conferences come here. I know less because of COVID, but- Anywhere there's more tourists, there's a higher trafficking problem. Sexting gets linked to trafficking because when you meet someone on the internet, they tell you everything they want, you want to hear. And, mm-hmm. and combing someone's social media, I had a client that I was in foster care and I told her, I will never do, I did it once and never did it again. I said she wanted Facebook and I was like, okay, well, I can kind of 
pay attention to your Facebook, kind of monitor it. I was shocked and never signed on for that responsibility again, because the amount of information I worked with her for years and found out more from her Facebook page that, that she was telling strangers than she was telling me in therapy. And, and she was telling this to strangers and she was really, like, she was someone that's pretty at risk. And so we had to like bring back, bring it back and set some better boundaries. But when, when it comes to trafficking and sexting, when you start to speak to someone on the internet, there's a lot of predators. There's like, that's the thing. That's the other, that's the other thing is like, think of the most dangerous people that you don't want your child to have access to. Well, in the middle of the night, which yes, strangers can speak to your child in the middle of the afternoon, but you're allowing them in your home with these devices, Mm -hmm. especially with the chat feature. And with sexting, they meet someone on on the internet and the person plays off their vulnerabilities. Oh, you're beautiful. Oh, you're gorgeous. Oh, you're wonderful. Oh, you're fighting with your parents. I can give you a better life. Oh, I love you. I can get you this. I can get you that. And, and they, and they tell these kids, whatever they want to hear. And it happens to males too. And then they say, Oh, exchange naked. Let's send me some naked pictures. Once you send the naked pictures, the power switches because then they have something to hold over you. Mm-hmm. And then they can say, if you don't do what I say, I'll send this to your parents. If you don't do what I say, I can spread this around your school. If you don't do what I say. So that's, that's the thing that's like, it's so dangerous because it can go from a very simple conversation to this whole manip- And then kids think, oh my gosh, I can't tell because I did something bad. I don't want to tell because I'm going to get in trouble. Or I had a case and I've been given permission to talk about this, that this person like sexted with this person. And the person said, I'm going to kill your family if you don't oh do my gosh. what I say. And they did some pretty awful stuff. And this person on the internet that never got caught orchestrated all of it. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's, it can blow up to something like that's the thing. And I've had, I've had parents who are really tech savvy say, you know, I, I research every single app and I had no idea this. I assumed this app would never have a chat feature and it did. Mm-hmm. And their, their child unfortunately got roped into something pretty yeah. quickly because there was a private chat feature. So it's, that's the other thing is even taking the devices, like scaling back. And I know like no kids like to hear any of my rules, but even when you have the device, when you first give them the device, limit the apps they have research the apps they have, understand how these apps work at the younger age. Like I'm like 16, 17, that's different, but like understand the capabilities that these apps have. You can, I mean, there's, there's websites like common sense media. And I think it's net smarts that like, you can just Google apps and, and find out what access these apps have and what, what these kids are able to do on an app and, and the age restrictions and fall back on the age restrictions. And a lot of parents don't, which is hard. Yeah. And I th- I think our kids deserve credit. They're smart. They can have these conversations with us. But we also have to remember developmentally, there are things that like we can talk to them all day and they're just literally not mentally equipped to handle it. Like those conversations with a predator that ends up leading down a path where they're being threatened and their mind can't logically think beyond it like our mind might be able to. So we have to balance, talk to your kids, give them the credit they deserve. They're smart individuals and raise them up right. At the same time, we're like, we still have to be 
completely entrenched and involved in their lives because they're kids and that's the role of the parent. And that is a responsibility that we have to take on. Their brains are still developing into their twenties. I did stupid stuff even in my twenties. Like we have to remember that that's just kind of the nature of the beast of, of just development. And I'm, I want to thank you for taking the time to share this with our audience, because like I said, it's not exactly a conventional episode for our typical um, podcast episodes, but it is so prevalent and so critical. And I know it's something that people are hungry for, but they don't know where to start. So, so much wisdom and intangibles that people can apply to equip themselves and their children if our listeners would like to connect with you or um, see some of your work or anything of that nature, is there somewhere you'd like to send them? So sexingsolutions.com is going to, so that's my website that is connected to my curriculum for sexting. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to start gradually kind of rolling things out. Um, resources for parents. There's, um, yeah, there's different resources on there. I think like the other thing, quick plug about, I think it's great to even like use media to talk to kids. And so I have a page on my website that just says like great conversational media that like mm. a movie you can watch with your kid and sit down and have a discussion about it. So um, I'm also going to do, I'm going to have like a web, a webinar on the dangers of sexting. I'm going to be talking about consent, talking to your kids about consent. There's a lot of stuff that I'm, that's in the works to start. I'm going to do a lot more preventative things to get less kids on the wrong side of the, of yeah. the law. Let's catch it upstream and give these kids an opportunity to rise above what they're up against because they're up against a lot. This is a really tough time to be grown up and, and it's a tough time to be a parent, but it does, it's not hopeless. It's not, um, we don't have to throw our hands up and say, oh, well, this is just how it is. They all have devices and it's just how it's going to be. They'll be fine. They'll figure it out because as you've seen personally, it's not always fine and they have to face a way bigger uphill battle that's hard to come back from sometimes when it goes too far. So thank you so much, Cheryl, for thank your you work for that you're me. doing. Yeah, of course. And I'll be sure to link to all of that in the show notes. And um, I just, I am eager to dive into your resources as a parent of young kids. We want to start this early and often to give them the best shot at, at uh, knowing how to handle what's ahead. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I hope today's episode gave you exactly what you needed. And if it spoke to you, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next juicy episode. And don't be shy. I don't bite often. So come connect with me over on Instagram at Eliz Hartke. And if there's a topic or a question, a guest you want to hear on the show or an idea you have for us, just reach out and share your thoughts. We do this for you. So the more you tell us, the more we can serve. Thank you for spending some time with me. I really do appreciate you. So tune in next time to keep building that legacy and doing the work that really matters.